a stranger from the outside. I'm not scared. I've seen dead bodies before. A guy blew up in front of me at the airport once. You steal my parents. You threaten my dog. You attack my friends. And you made fun of my size. Well, I may be small, but I've got a big brain. Welcome to another episode of We Talk Funny. As usual, I'm your host, Ken Pringle. And my guest today, you could say that this actress is the voice of childhood. Literally, she plays little kids in just about every project that anybody decides to animate. It's the one and only Debbie Derryberry. We're going to talk about all sorts of fun industry tricks. In the meantime, I have a very special cereal to try. This was an interesting one sent over by my buddy Q. This is Wendy's Frosty Cereal. Yeah, Wendy's, the fast food restaurant, decided to make a cereal. And surprise, it is not hamburger flavored. Now, you might look at this and think, uh, why? And I will tell you why. Because it is delicious. This cereal is awesome. It's a lot like Cocoa Puffs, but not totally like Cocoa Puffs. It's a slightly different type of chocolate. They say that it's chocolate frosty flavored, and I tend to agree. It kind of is reminiscent of the classic chocolate frosty. It's really delicious, and it has not just the chocolate puffs in it, but the world's smallest chocolate marshmallows. I don't know how they managed to make these things without some sort of shrink ray. These are the smallest marshmallows I've ever seen, but they are chocolate frosty flavored. This is an awesome cereal. It is my new favorite reason to hate myself. Uh, I will definitely be getting more of this. Whatever cereal you're celebrating with this morning, I hope you grab an extra big bowl. And hey, if you want to go crazy, celebrate with a Wendy's Frosty too. Why not? Whatever you got, sit back, relax. And as we always say here on the podcast, spoons up, whether that's a Frosty spoon or a cereal spoon. Let's dig in. Welcome to We Talk Funny. I'm your host, Ken Pringle, and the voice actor with me today, you have heard her voice just about anywhere. She's one of those voices where you almost can't escape her. She's in everything. She is the voice of Draculaura from Monster High, Coco Bandicoot in the Crash Bandicoot games. She's Maureen in F is for Family on Netflix, but she's probably best known as the voice of the classic Nickelodeon character, Jimmy Neutron. It's the one and only Debbie Derryberry. How are you, Debbie? Hi, Ken. What a nice introduction. I'm doing great today. Day. How are you? Fine, fine. Thank you. Well, I had to introduce you like that because I really do feel like you're one of those actors where <laughs> you have a very signature voice, but at the same time, when I don't expect to see you somewhere, that is still where you're going to pop up. Like, you're known for all these cutesy kid characters, but then there'll be animes like Zatch Bell or or Duel Masters that you'll pop up or hardcore video games like Street Fighter or Guild Wars and There's Debbie. I think the the best (laughs) example is uh, I have a four-year-old. And his absolute favorite show right now, one of his top shows, is a YouTube series that a lot of people aren't familiar with called Pink Fong Wonder Star. And I'm looking at it, and who sings the theme song? Debbie Derryberry. (laughs) Yes, that was so fun. Pink Fong Wonder Star. I see Pink Fong Wonder Star literally every day. I've had Colleen O'Shaughnessy, who's the voice of Pink Fong, on the show already. Now I think I have to go get Cassandra Lee Morris, who's the voice of Hoagie, and I'll just have the entire group at that point. Yeah, we'll have Pink Fong Day. Have fun. (laughs) 
Well, thanks for coming on the show. The, the very first thing I want to ask you, because it's the first question I ask all of my guests, growing up, were you a Saturday morning cartoons kind of kid? Growing up, I had a big brother, Ken, which, as you know, means <laughs> I never get control of the, as we called it back then, the clicker. <laughs> Did so, you have the wired clicker or like the one I had when I was a little kid where it's like got the cable that goes to the, the chair? No, ours and, was high-tech oh. battery operated. Ooh, and when you fancy. clicked it, though, it was like uh, it was like you had to have really strong thumb muscles to push it. <laughs> it was a really hard click, like... And then um, my brother usually watched, because, of course, that's what I watched, um, Flintstones, mm-hmm. Bugs Bunny, The Roadrunner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I had control of it, when I was in my teens, I liked Jem. Jem. Oh, I love Jem. Yeah, I love Jem for some reason. But, of course, all, all the classics are what he watched. And the Flintstones. <laughs> I love that you bring up Jem because I was, you know, I was of a generation where there's certain shows that are only for boys and certain shows that are only for girls. And so, like, I had to keep my Jem watching secret, but I had a little sister, so I had the perfect alibi. But, you know, uh, as you get older and, like, those songs stick in your head and people would be like, you know, what band do you like? I'll be like, the Misfits. Oh, the punk band? No. <laughs> <laughs> totally. You know, I, I just wasn't a giant TV watcher and i not a game player. Um, now, you know, we binge watch things uh, just so that there'll be something to do at night before we go to sleep. That's, just, so that's how people consume entertainment now, though. Binging TV has just become the thing to do. My <laughs> wife and I get in arguments about it. I'm like, why can't you just watch one episode and digest it for a week? And she's like, no, that's not what you do. You sit down for eight hours. You consume yeah. an entire season of something. <laughs> <laughs> we do about, I mean, it depend on, depending on the series, we're just uh, starting to watch Dexter, the first Dexter now. Oh, okay. Which I'm, I just love. That show, it's so, I find it hilarious. And we're watching like two or three episodes at night. And, you know, when we were watching, we, we're really watching old things that I've never seen before. We finished watching, um, I can't even remember now, but, you know, they were long episodes. So we would just watch as many as we could till I would be falling asleep. It's usually two, maybe three. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, my house. I've seen it's often shows that I don't care to binge, but I have no control because I don't have a big brother, but I do have a wife. So I've seen more episodes of Gilmore Girls than I ever needed to see. Uh, I I know them all so well at this point. (laughs) Now, when I would watch the Saturday morning cartoons, a big part of that tradition for me was the big bowl of cereal that went with the Saturday morning cartoons. Were Mm -hmm. you a breakfast cereal kid? Yes, I I like breakfast cereal. We would my brother would get. See, I go back to my brother. He would get like the giant Tupperware bowls and pour uh-huh. like half the box in it and nice. eat out of there. And my sister and I would eat out of you know more reasonably sized bowls. But my mom wasn't a big junk fooder, so our you know our decadence was maybe a bowl of plain Cheerios or something. Well, you're you're not much taller than a cereal box you're right now, so it's I can't true. imagine you're going to eat a Tupperware bowl of cereal. <laughs> I know people can't really tell just by looking at me on Zoom, but I'm I'm tiny. I mean, when I compare myself, I'm four foot ten. I weigh you know just under a hundred. When we go out to eat, 
I carry a yoga block that I put under my feet because my feet don't reach the ground. When we watch TV, I can't sit on the couch. I have to sit on a stool below the couch. It's all about my feet reaching the ground. Oh, yeah. I get it. My wife is rather short herself. She's only 5'2". And so it's like there's certain chairs that she won't sit in because she can't reach the ground. Yeah. And she doesn't want to look like a toddler. And yeah, no, it's it's things change at, Honestly, at a certain night. It, or... it makes me a little angry. I think that ch- that chair manufacturers don't have adjustable legs. You know, why do I have to suffer? Why can't, <laughs> especially doctor's offices where they're like orthopedists mm-hmm. or chiropractor's offices. And my feet are swinging dangling. Oh, I mean, that can't be good for your back. If I was a chiropractor, I would have different sized chairs so I could have choices and different widths too for big people, little people, short people, tall people. I've never thought about that, but that makes perfect sense. Thank you, Unless Ken. Unless you're looking at it from a profit generating center and then maybe you want the worst chairs possible. True. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, or all those, all those orthopedics people are going to be like, yeah, yeah, get the chairs that nobody likes. Right. I'm never <laughs> going back there. <laughs> so I do want to talk about sort of the beginnings of your career, because I do know that you didn't start out pursuing VO, as I understand it. What was your path? How did you kind of come to end up in VO? Because I know you didn't like, you didn't go to school to become a voice actor. No, no, no. I, I mean, I've been in theater and acting since I was eight years old. I've been doing community theater mm-hmm. and I studied all through high school and studied um, a little bit uh, on a summer program at UCLA. I was, but I went from high school to pre-med at UCLA. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't go to med school. I went to Nashville to be a country singer, but I only got jobs as a kid's voice session singer. And then somehow I segued into a theater performance of To Kill a Mockingbird doing Scout again. I had done it in high school when I was 27 and someone saw me in that and put me in a TV show playing a boy clown. And then I got in SAG and somebody told me you should do voiceover. So I moved back to Los Angeles from Nashville and uh, Jeannie McSwain walked me into ICM and Jeff Danis there was my first agent. And I started working after a couple weeks of auditioning and just never stopped, Ken. Those are some amazing names to have in your corner. (laughs) my team has been a very big big wonderful supportive team and jeff and jenny were the start yeah wow that's incredible and then you didn't i mean you've been very prolific in your voiceover career obviously but you haven't stopped on and rested on your laurels there you've done a lot of other work as well you you have a a a lively music career with uh honey pig which is a great band we had honey pig out to one of the live we talk funny shows and i believe you've done a, a few Uh, preschool music albums at this point as well is that right i have yeah i've done um in fact i've had a number one hit with one of my kids songs baby banana on xm serious went to number one i've had a lot of top tens um i have three albums out um what a way to play very dairy berry and baby banana and i have a children's book out as well and Mm -hmm. um that's just going up on ebook now and i um so yeah music has been big part of my life. I've never really, you know, made a, a living at music. It's it's pennies here and there, you know, but not like voiceover is my main gig. Right, but right. I love harmonies so much and singing that that's what I do for fun. And I teach voiceover now. I teach mostly mm-hmm. privately, but some classes and I wrote a book. I, in fact, I just finished the second edition of voiceover really? 101, how to succeed as a voice actor. That's great. You're actually segueing into a thing that I wanted to talk with you about anyway, because I oh, do know right. that you're, 
You're you're a, a very well respected voiceover coach. I know you've worked with a lot of students. Um, you're I actually have a copy of your book. I bought your book off of Amazon, the first edition. Thank Apparently, you. I'm going to have to upgrade now. But uh, uh, one of the things I actually like about your book, which uh, I, I should mention, first edition still available on Amazon, right? People can go; it, they don't have to is, wait for the second but one. I would, I would, no, the second one's out on Amazon now. Oh, oh, well, go get the second one then. Absolutely, yeah. it's got the little starburst that says second edition. <laughs> well, one of the things I really love about your book is that because it is all anecdotal knowledge, you're using things that you've used in your own career, you do have a tendency to get into some sort of nitty gritty minutia that I feel like a lot of other books will overlook where it's, oh, this isn't important enough, but it really is. Like one of the things I pulled out of your book years ago that nobody ever talked about was you used a, a service called Lander where you could f- use them to automatically do finishing on some of your auditions so the audition file sounded a little bit better. Yeah. I'd never heard that mentioned anywhere. And, I mean, I don't use the service today because I do have more sk- skills right. in the podcast and stuff, but right. if you don't we have, have Pro Tools skills, that's a fantastic piece of advice for somebody who's starting out. And yeah. it's that's the kind of little thing that you don't think of. You don't, you don't think to mention that. You just talk about big, broad strokes. But in your book you really get into those very, very tiny specifics. And I was incredibly grateful for it. Thank you. Obviously, I don't use that now either because, you know, over the past four or five years, I, you know, you become much more tech savvy sure, and your sure. home recording. Many and of us have, yeah. Getting your own stack for your own space. So you just press a button and boom, brrr, it's perfect. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. A lot of us have done that. But I mean, especially for people who are first coming out, yeah. in, you know, coming into the VO industry, they, they may not have that skill set yet. And this is a right. it's a it's a great stopgap measure. And I was just Thank I you. thought it was amazing that, you know, you would offer advice like that in this book where anyone else would just kind of stumble through until they figured that out on their own. So. I tell a lot of voice actors who come to me that um, I expect you to be an actor. I'm not going to teach you voice acting. Um mm-hmm. Because you should be an actor, but I will teach you tricks to make it sound like it's a shiny, beautiful audition. And all those tricks are are things that I, you know, unload on people in private sessions or right. I have some of them in my book as well. But the technological things are, I don't want to say every bit as important as the acting, but these days can you have to be both. Oh, last couple of years in particular with the pandemic, it's become absolutely yeah. critical. I mean, totally. I don't, I, I can't name anyone who doesn't have a home studio that they're working out of at this point. You know, if right. they're a professional, this is something you have to do. And right. there was a time, even just three or four years ago, where you could get away with just, you know, something in your closet for auditions. And if it's a real job, then you'll go record somewhere and be fine. That's just the world has changed already to where. Yep. You know, I, I see auditions come my, my way and now it's if you want to come into the studio, that would be great. But we know you're probably going to record from home <laughs> because that's what everybody yeah. does. And I have students that are just starting and they just want to work on cartoons. Well, is that what you want to do to start with? Because you're not going to get an agent with just a cartoon, de- an animation demo. Yeah. You have a commercial demo and you don't even have a computer. You don't have a printer. Um and, you know, I don't know about your computer and I don't mean to diss it, but people who are on who are not on Macs are going to have a harder time. I'm and on the other end of this conversation right now on a MacBook Pro. You know, you for, be. VO, for VO, Apple is it just makes life easier. And people, you know, hear me say that and they go, yeah, yeah. 
But then yeah. they get down to the dirty of it. And I'm like, I can't help you. If you're not on a Mac, sorry, I, I'm giving you these apps to use and they don't even work on a PC. Yeah. Yeah, I very much agree with what you're saying there. But at the same time, I, I want to put a caveat in there in that with a lot of new voice actors, one of the mistakes I see is getting lost in the equipment race as busy work to not focus on the craft where they come in and say, Oh, what mic do I have to have? Is this mic good enough? Can I get the right mic? And it's like, you know what? You can have the greatest mic in the world. If the performance isn't there, that mic is wasted money. Yes. That's why on my website, I have list of uh, recommended equipment and I have cheap mics and expensive mics, but I could work on a really inexpensive mic and still have a good quality audition because my room is, it's about the room, not your mic. Oh, very much so. Yeah. It's about how you record your technique. The mic is, I totally agree with you. It's a totally agree with you. It's um, it's the mic is not of utmost importance. If you want to spoil yourself down the road after you've landed a national campaign, sure, go spend the couple thousand dollars, (laughs) but not necessary. No, no. I mean, I'm recording on a a, a Neumann TLM 103 right now. It's a very nice mic, but I didn't start with this. I started on a Yeti Pro that cost me 250 bucks. I started on a a Rode NT1. Yep, Rode NT1. That's that. That's where I would have gone if I hadn't already purchased the Pro. And the only reason I use the Pro is because it's the XLR option. (laughs) It's a good mic, though. There's nothing wrong with that Rode NT1. It's a good mic. Solid. Yeah, I would have no problem recording auditions off of that. In fact, that XLR, uh, the Yeti XLR, I still have that in my travel bag for when I have to record auditions if I'm in a hotel room or something. There you go. Yeah, you know, works just fine. you take you find a little decent interface and a quiet room mm-hmm. and some nice throw pillows and you're golden. Absolutely, I've got the, the the big old Apollo twin sitting here next to me in the booth. But if I'm on the road, it's still that mm-hmm. that Focusrite Scarlet Solo. Mm-hmm. You can get that um, thing for a hundred bucks. You can, but for animation, I kind of recommend somebody get their uh, interface with a limiter, with a um, just because mm-hmm. it's so high and low. So yeah, uh, again, on my website, I went under recommended equipment. I have an Apollo twin on there, but I also have a much less expensive travel version. And I just did a, a, a YouTube video of uh, how I set up my travel rig. Yeah. Which is, I, I, go see it. It's a good That's fantastic. Video. I'll, I'll link it in this. Yeah. People should see that. That's great. Thanks. That's, that's excellent. So when you were first starting out, uh, what was your very first recording session like? Do you remember? Was it, I mean. I have no clue. Or, oh, really? No clue. I do know. I will tell you that I was scared to death. Uh-huh. And that um, uh, Townie, Townsend Coleman, was just so sweet. I pulled him aside. I said, Townie, I booked my first animation gig. I don't know what the heck to do. Help, help. <laughs> and, you know, he gave me a couple points and tips. And I went in and. Figured it out. You know, you just, when you don't know, you sit and you watch and listen. Yeah. And then I just learned as I went. But I I remember it was, I was some kind of a pig. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) A lady pig. Well, I do think the advice to be taken out of there is watch and listen. I think so many people are afraid to be seen as a novice. And it's, it's not as bad to be seen as a novice versus selling yourself as a pro when you're not. You know. I do do sessions for people. I said doo-doo. <laughs> um, <laughs> I um, do sessions with people where they are going to have their first record, and they will come over, and I'll give them a 
you know, a rundown of what the slide is going to look like. Because usually in animation, we still get scripts if we're in session. But now, of course, everything's digital. All PDFs. But, um, you know, I have to give them um, rundowns on what, what it looks like when you record. What it, what it, What is a write-in read-through? Uh, what do you need to worry about the write-ins? Why do you need to worry about the write-ins? And um, uh, who do you say yes to? Who do you, you know, just etiquette. Sometimes yeah, I right. just coach people on etiquette. Yeah, that's great. That's super useful because when you walk into the booth, you there could be a number of people sitting on the other side of the glass and you don't know who they are and you don't know what they are expecting of you on an individual basis. Yeah, and I give them little tricks like, Write down that name when the director introduces himself because you're not going to remember. Write down the writer and the producer mm-hmm. because you're not going to remember and those are the people that you want to remember. When you're standing next to a movie star doing the part next to you and you're excited, get over it because <laughs> that's not what's important. What's yeah. important is those people on the other side of the glass and you need to have your eyeline right through it. Turn off your phone unless you're waiting for a call from your child's caretaker or your school. That is Bar none, I always say, my phone's off, but if a call comes in from my son or the school, I will pick it up. <laughs> Which I think is understandable as long as the phone is still on silent. Yeah. You know, don't, not even the vibrate. Don't throw off a take. Right? <laughs> now, speaking of that director on the other side of the glass, I'm always curious because you hear some odd stories. Thinking back, what would you say is the oddest direction you've ever received? It's probably too foul and naughty and dirty to talk about. (laughs) I have an edit button. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ginny McSwain had a wonderful uh, phrase that she would say, she would say, chew up the scenery. (laughs) And I just love that because it's, um, it's very graphic in my head of what she wants when you chew up the scenery. And that's it's very loud and Warner Brothers and and mouth movie and active, which is an and art form to sound active when you're standing still. Yeah, it's great because that is considered a a derogatory slang term in on camera, but for animation, it's you've got directors telling you to do it because it is such a perfect place to go. Yes. <laughs> People don't realize how big you have to be. It's like in that movie, Willy Wonka and mm-hmm. the Chocolate Factory. Do you remember Mike TV? When they made those stuff to send in Wonka Vision, it had to be so big because when it goes through the TV, it's so tiny when it gets to its destination. <laughs> That's a great way of looking at it. <laughs> and I'm sure this is a question you get a lot, but you know, I, I'm curious. If you had to choose, not a favorite character, but a favorite performance, a favorite time of your life in a particular show or film or video game, do you have a favorite that you look back on and go, man, that was just, that was my favorite project to do? Uh, I would probably say it comes down a tie. Okay. Um, when we did Howie Mandel's show called um, Bobby's World. Classic. We would all go into the studio together. And um, Ginny was directing and mm-hmm. Gary Conrad was producing and um, animation director. And then um, on our, uh, in the booth was Howie Mandel, Pat Fraley, me, uh, Gail Mathias, Cherry James, um, Rob Paulson. I mean, it was an amazing, hilarious cast. And they wanted all the mics on all the time. 
everybody's oh, wow. talking all at once. <laughs> it was so much fun. That's, and, um, I, I weep great. for whoever was working the board, but <laughs> yeah, no, they had to have lightning, lightning fast fingers. They were like, oh my god. They were going crazy. They looked like a, you know, like a music mixer. <laughs> and then, of course, Jimmy Neutron sessions were anytime I'm in the booth with Rob Paulson and you throw in Mark DiCarlo and uh, Jeff Garcia, who's a stand-up. It's just too much fun, Megan Kavanaugh and Carolyn Lawrence, just hilariousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and after so many episodes... You know, you get this chemistry going, this flow going. So after many episodes, it became this super fun time. Just you get used to it. And it's, again, they gave us our freedom to do whatever we wanted. Yeah. Now, if there was one character in your entire resume that is someday going to, you know, end up on the tombstone, it's got to be Jimmy Neutron. That is definitely the character that you are most associated with. Did you expect that show to become as big as it did? No, I don't think none of us ever do. I, I, the first time they sent me the seven minute, we made shorts, you know, right. they sent me a VHS tape of a short and I thought, well, gosh, that looks real pretty. Look at that. Is that called CGI? That's <laughs> neato. So I was a little blown away on how cool it looked, but no, I don't think any of us ever know. Like when I did that looping session for Toy Story and I mm. hopped up to the mic there are 13 of us, and they're like, okay, somebody voice these aliens in the gumball machine. And a few of us did. And to this day, that's like one of the main things people know me for is the aliens in the gumball machine in that scene in Toy Story. Yeah, it's, it's a huge, know. huge thing. I mean, that, those characters were, you know, so memorable, and it's amazing that – there's got to be almost as much aliens merch out there as there is for, you know, Tom Hanks and Tim Allen's characters, little exactly. rubber alien that spoke all of about five words and people loved it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That, that actually reminds me, I will, uh, I'll have to talk to you later about, uh, there's a, a shirt company that I've worked with, which everybody in the podcast knows. Cause I rave about them all the time, but they did a shirt that I loved where the entire pattern of it is, the aliens in the gumball machine and then just randomly in the pattern, you'll see like Buzz Lightyear reaching out or something like that. It's a beautiful shirt. Absolutely gorgeous. Why but, uh, don't I, I have one? Well, I, luckily I happen to know the guys at that company and I know that they know you. So maybe I can put two and two together there. Yes. And maybe <laughs> I can wear it on my TikTok there. I, where I have 1.1 million followers and tag their company. Hint, 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 Roosevelt. Hint, hint, hint. i will have to see what i can do i am not above pimping myself out at any given time you go bad boy so i i do want to come back to the coaching thing a bit because i am curious for the the voice actors that are listening that are just getting into the industry what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes that voice actors make when they're approaching an audition um that their first read is is going to be it um I think that they assume just getting through it is going to be a good audition, but just getting through it is the minimum to even think about recording it. I don't Mm -hmm. think people realize that that audition, like say for a typical guest spot on a Nick show, it's going to be, I'd say probably 15, 10 to 15 auditions per agency. Say there's, you know, maybe 10 agencies that might send it in, that casting director is going to have to listen to a lot of auditions 
And if you're yeah. just reading the words, they're all going to sound the same. So the audition is going to be so different probably than the actual booking. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to say it's mistakes, but you know, some of the specifics, like make sure it's a monofile, make sure it's at 128 kbps, make sure it's an MP3, make sure to label it correctly. Get the you file know, the, name correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, double check it, listen back to it. Um, look at the script while you're listening back to it. Make sure you got the words right. Know how to pronounce the unfamiliar words. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's one main mistake, I, but, you know, there's just a lot. But the more you do it, the better you get at it. You know, I can yeah. knock out auditions pretty quick, which is a good thing because I get about 10 a day and it takes a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's, that, that is the bulk of the job is just running through all of those auditions and yep. getting them where they need to go. And then you've obviously done a lot in your career. We talked about that a bit earlier, going beyond VO with music and writing and classes and all this. How important do you think it is for voice actors to have more skill sets than just voice acting outside of their career, whether it's improv or stand up or music or just anything else that kind of fleshes them out as a performer? Oh, you know, I know people that just do VO and are just fine. But for me, I... I have a lot of things I like to do. I just yeah. don't want to see people uh, limiting their whole life when there's other things you love to do. And I think it's interesting, you know, when people um, audition for something and they're like, oh, well, I actually grew up and my dad was a, a, a general in the army. Or, you know, they have these life experiences that make that part um, more real for them. Yeah. Um, you know, like maybe they're playing something that's similar to something where they grew up. Like when I got Jimmy Neutron, I told you I was a pre-med and I took a lot of chemistry, you know, regular chemistry and OCHEM and biochem. And I had calculus one, two, three, all these upper division UCLA classes. And I don't use them now, but I know how to say those big words. I know how to say these chemical compounds because they studied them. So I think it's important that people really do what they love to do. And like if if you're auditioning for a waiter or a yoga instructor, maybe you are a yoga instructor. Maybe you have weighted tables. I think bringing your life experiences to uh, your acting makes it so much more organic, obviously. Sure. Being a mom, I audition people, uh, young women for mom roles who have Mm -hmm. never been a mom or dads. Uh, men who have never had children, and then men who have had children, they bring it. <laughs> you get it. Once you're a parent, right, you get it. I, I feel like that's pretty much just defined as how much exhaustion you hear in the read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I can, I can definitely see that. And then just out of curiosity, if if your career hadn't gone where it went. If you were doing something other than VO, what do you think you would be in? Golly, I, I like to do so many things. I It would probably be in music somewhere, but who knows? Maybe I would have gone to med school and become a doctor. I would have been a great doctor. Um, I love to, I make my own hand lotions. I, I make about 20 tubs of it uh, every couple months and I love making hand lotion. I love cooking. I think um, I would have been a performer of some kind, whether it, I don't know, be a cooking show, a kid's entertainer, uh, 
I just do so many things that I like them all and I work hard at all of them. I, I have to ask, do you do you sell the lotion on Etsy or something or do you just have the world's creepiest garage? <laughs> I only make about 18 tubs at a time, little two to four ounces because I don't okay. use preservative and it will go bad. But I post it on Facebook and it's usually, you know, sold out in a couple days and I keep a bunch for me because I like I made it because I like it. But then I started making more because everybody wanted some. <laughs> so I've been doing that for about, gosh, 20 years. Wow, that's that is not a hobby you hear of very often. That's I know, fascinating, right? I love making hand lotion. That's oh, body crazy. Cream. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to get some hand lotion next time I see you. That sounds really interesting. <laughs> yes. I like that. I'll bring you a, a little tub to our next gig when we're gonna <laughs> play in Monrovia, our band. Yeah, we're gonna have you out there pretty soon. Uh, well, this has been a lot of fun, Debbie. Before I let you go, uh, just last question: uh, Any last words of advice for young voice actors that are looking at getting into the industry and advancing in their career? I would say make sure you finish your schooling. Um, I think a college degree, this is just me. I know people will disagree with me. I think a college degree is a super important thing to have, to fall back on, and to give you something constructive to do when you finish high school. Um, You know, unless, of course, you're already with a big agent. I think you should pay attention to what you love to do, and if that's voice acting, then that's what you should be doing. And when I started, there were not all these classes and information available. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of information available. I think meeting people and letting them know who you are is super important, as well as having a clean feed. I'm talking Insta, um, Twitter, um, TikTok, Facebook, Snapchat, because um, all those nasty feeds might come back to bite you later. Yeah. So uh, have fun with your social media, but be aware that Instagram is the main place people go to cast Mm -hmm. if they're looking on camera or, um, you know, even VO. Unfortunately, social media has become important for casting. So, you know, be clean and about it and be uh, diligent. And it's, it's not easy. You know, we make it look like it's all fun and games, but it's a lot of work. But I, like I love it, that you bring so that up. Like work. That's such a great point because I, I will admit that there are times when I've been frustrated with social media myself, knowing that I have to present a brand out there. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I have a brother who's not in so, who's not in the entertainment industry. If he wants to go and post about, hey, I had a crappy day, and here's why. Awesome, you can go and do that. If you want to rant about something that's bugging you that day, you could do that. I don't have that luxury because I know that this has to live out there. Um, you have to uh, be a brand and there's a lot more to study now about vo and your presence than there were when i began so i guess that and there's also a lot of you don't have to spend a fortune you know there's so many resources that you can go to and learn for free all these podcasts and webcasts and um uh websites sure sure absolutely yeah good advice And Debbie, for those who are listening, because this is an audio podcast and uh, I can't show a nice little placard with it, can you tell us where can people find more information if they want to know about coaching or your music or are just interested in stalking you? Sure. Okay. Um, Well, uh, you can follow me on my TikTok, which is at Debbie Derryberry, which is spelled D-E-B-I-D-E-R-R-Y-B-E-R-R-Y. And it's the same handle for Instagram and Twitter and uh, my Facebook uh, 
voiceover page. My website is DebbieDairyBerry.com, and there's all kinds of tabs on there on the equipment I use and uh, how to sign up for, you know, privates or my classes, uh, which I don't have classes right now. But if I did a class and you're on the <laughs> mailing list, I will let you know first. Is there a link to the book? Um, it's um, on the website as well, but you can go to Amazon at VoiceOver 101, How to Succeed as a Voice Actor. Or you can do the link on my website, www.dairyberry.com. Perfect. Excellent. And if they want an autograph, because I know you also do that, uh, that one I actually know, they can find you at streamily.com. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Debbie. I have really appreciated having you here. I'm glad we were able to make this work. I, uh, I will have to go and hit up a shirt company now, and we will <laughs> see you on stage soon enough. I'll be announcing that soon here, as soon as we've got it locked down. But in the meantime, I'm going to take us out with the same words I end every week with, the words my mom would tell me when the Saturday morning cartoons had finished. The show's over. Go outside and play. <laughs>